Chapter Eight of *The Prelude to Adventure* by Hugh Walpole. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight: Revelation of Bunning. One, one. On that evening, the College Debating Society exercised its mind over the question of naval defense. One gentleman, timid of voice, uncertain in wit easily dismayed by the derisive laughter of the opposite party asserted that this house considers the naval policy of the present government fatal to the country's best interests an eager politician with a shrill voice and a torrent of words denied this statement the college with the exception of certain gentlemen destined for the church they had been told by their parents to speak on every possible public occasion in order to be ready for a prospective pulpit displayed a sublime and somnolent indifference the four gentlemen on the paper had prepared their speeches beforehand and were armed with notes and a certain nervous fluency for the rest the question was but slightly assisted the prospective members of the church thought of many things to say until they rose to their feet when they could only remember that the last gentleman's speech had been the most preposterous thing they had ever had the pleasure of listening to and that er uh, 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 the navy was all right and uh, if the gentleman who had spoken last but two thought it wasn't well all they uh, could say was that it reminded them uh, uh, of a story they had once heard here follows story without point conclusion or brevity and uh, the fact the navy was all right the debate in short was languishing when doon and cardiac entered the room together here was an amazing thing it was well known that only last night cardiac and doon had both been proposed for the office of president of the wolves the wolves a society of twelve founded for the purpose of dining well and dressing beautifully was by far the smartest thing that sauls possessed it was famous throughout the university for the noise and extravagance of its dinners and you might not belong to it unless you had played for the university on at least one occasion in some game or another and unless be it understood you were in yourself quite immensely desirable towards the end of every christmas term a president for the ensuing year was elected he must be a second-year man and it was considered by the whole college that this was the highest honour that the gods could possibly during your stay at cambridge confer upon you even the members of the christian union horrified though they were by the amount of wine that was drunk on dining occasions and the consequent peril to their own goods and chattels bowed to the shining splendour of the fortunate hero it had never yet been known that a president of the wolves should also be a member of the christian union but one must never despair and nets the most attractive and genial of nets were flung to catch the great man on the present occasion it had been generally understood that cardiac would be elected without any possible opposition doon had not for a moment occurred to any one he had during his first term when his football prowess had passed swinging through the university been elected to the wolves but he had only attended one dinner and had then remained severely and unpleasantly sober 
there was no other possible rival to cardiac to his distinction his power of witty and malicious after-dinner speaking his wonderful clothes his admirable football his haughty indifference he would of course be elected and then some three weeks ago this wonderful unexpected development of olva dune had startled the world his football his sudden geniality he had been seen it was asserted at one of med tetlow's revival meetings with of all people in the world bunning his air of being able to do anything whatever if he wished to exert himself here was a character indeed so wonderful that it was felt even by the most patriotic of salines that he ought in reality to have belonged to st martin's it became at once of course a case of rivalry between dune and cardiac and it was confidently expected that dune would be victorious in every part of the field cardiac had reigned for a considerable period and there were many men to whom he had been exceedingly offensive dune although he admitted no one to closer intimacy was offensive never if moreover you had seen him play the other day against the harlequins you could not but fall down on your knees and worship here too he rivalled cardiac tester buchan and whimper were quite certain of their places in the university side whimper because he was the greatest three-quarter that cambridge had had for many seasons and tester and buchan because they had been at fetts longer and buchan had played inside right to tester's outside since the very tenderest age they therefore understood one another backward there remained then only this fourth place and cardiac seemed certain enough until dune's arrival and now it depended on whimper he would choose of the two men the one who suited him the better cardiac had played with him more than had dune cardiac was safe steady reliable dune was uncertain capricious suddenly indifferent on the other hand not whimper himself could rival the brilliance of dune's game against the harlequins that was in a place by itself let him play like that at queen's club in december and no oxford defence would stop him and so it was argued so discussed certain at any rate that dune's recrudescence threatened the ruin of cardiac's two dearest ambitions and cardiac did not easily either forget or forgive and yet behold them now gravely the gaze of the entire company entering together sitting together by the fire watching with serious eyes the clumsy efforts of an unhappily ambitious freshman to make clear his opinions of the navy the government and the british islands generally only ultimately producing a tittering stammering apology for having burdened so long with his hapless clamour the debate two olva liked cardiac cardiac liked olva they both in their attitude to college affairs saw beyond the college gates into the wide and bright world cardiac when it had seemed that no danger could threaten either his election to the wolves or the acquisition of his football blue had regarded both honours quietly and with indifference it amazed him now when both these prizes were seriously threatened that he should still appreciate and even seek out dune's company 
had it been any other man in the college he would have been a very attractive enemy but here was the one man who had that larger air that finer style whose gravity was beautiful whose soul was beyond wolves and rugby football whose future in the real world promised to be of a fine and highly ordered kind cardiac wished eagerly that these things might yet be his but if he were to be beaten then of all men in the world let it be by doom in his own scant cynical estimate of his fellow-beings doon alone demanded a wide and appreciative attention to olva on this evening it mattered but little where he was or what he did the snow had ceased to fall and now under a starry sky lay white and glistening clear but still with him storm seemed to hover its snow beating his body its fury yielding him no respite and now there was no longer any doubt he faced it with the most matter-of-fact self-possession of which he was capable something was waiting for his surrender he figured it sitting quietly back in the reading-room listening to the debate watching the faces around him as the tracing of someone who was dearly loved there was nothing stranger in it all than his own certainty that the power that pursued him was tender and here he crossed the division between the real and the unreal because his present consciousness of this power was as actual as his consciousness of the chairs and tables that filled the reading-room that was the essential thing that made the supreme gulf between himself and his companions it was not because he had murdered carfax but because he was now absolutely conscious of god that he was so alone he could not touch his human companions he could scarcely see them it was through this isolation that god was driving him to confession now in the outer court huge against the white dazzling snow the great shadow was hovering its head piercing the stars its arms outstretched let him surrender and at once there would be infinite peace but with surrender must come submission confession with confession he must lose the one thing that he desired margaret craven that he might go and talk to her watch her listen to her voice meanwhile he must not think if he allowed his brain for an instant to rest it was flooded with the sweeping consciousness of the presence always he must be doing something his football his companions and often at the end of it all calmly quietly betrayed hearing above all the clatter that he might make the gentle accents of that voice he remembered that peace that he had had in st martin's chapel on the day of the discovery of the body what he would give to reclaim that now meanwhile he must battle must quiet craven's suspicions must play football join company with men who seemed to him now like shadows as he glanced around at them at lawrence bunning galleon cardiac they seemed to have far less existence than the gray shadow in the outer court sounds passed him like smoke the lights grew faint in his eyes he was being drawn out into a world that was all of ice black ice stretching to every horizon on the edge of it vast against the night sky was the gray figure waiting come to me tell me that you will follow me i spoke to you in the wood you have broken my law lot of piffle 
he heard cardiac's voice from a great distance these freshers are always gassing the electric light seen through a cloud of tobacco smoke came slowly back to him dull globes of color it's so hot i'm cutting he whispered to cardiac and slipped out of the room he climbed to his room flung back his door and saw that his light was turned on facing him waiting for him was bunning three if you don't want me he began with his inane giggle oh sit down olva pulled out the whiskey and two siphons of soda if i didn't want you i'd say so he filled himself a strong glass of whiskey and soda and began feverishly to drink bunning sat down don't be such a blooming fool take off your gown if you're going to stop bunning meekly took off his gown his spectacles seemed so large that they swallowed up the rest of his face the spectacles and the enormous flat-toed boots were the principal features of bunning's attire he sat down again and gazed at olva with the eyes of a devoted dog olva looked at him over bunning's red wrists the brown ends of a jaeger vest protruded from under the shirt i say why don't you dress properly i don't know began bunning well the sleeves of your vest needn't come down like that it looks horribly dirty turn them up bunning blushing almost to tears turned them back there's no need to make yourself worse than you are you know olva finished his whiskey and poured out some more why do you come here i'm always beastly to you as long as you let me come i don't mind how beastly you are but what do you get from it bunning looked down at his huge boots everything but it isn't that it is that without being here i haven't got anything else well you needn't wear such boots as that and your shirts and things aren't clean you don't mind my telling you do you no i like it nobody's ever told me here obviously was a new claim for intimacy and this olva hurriedly disavowed oh it's only for your own good you know fellows will like you better if you're decently dressed why hasn't anyone ever told you oh they given me up at home bunning heaved a great sigh why who are your people my father's a parson in yorkshire they're all clergymen in my family uncles cousins everybody my elder brother i was to have been a clergyman was to have been aren't you going to be one now no not since i met you oh but you mustn't take such a step on my account i don't want to prevent you i've nothing to do with it i should think you'd make a very good parson olva was brutal he felt that in bunning's moist devoted eyes there was a dim pain but he was brutal because his whole soul revolted against sentimentality not at all because his soul revolted against bunning no i shouldn't make a good parson i never wanted to be one really but when your house is full of it as our house was you're driven when it wasn't relations it was all sorts of people in the parish helpers and workers uh, women mostly i hated them here was a real note of passion bunning seemed for an instant to be quite vigorous that's why i'm so untidy now bunning went desperately on nobody cared how i looked i was stupid at school my reports were awful and i was a day-boy it is very bad for any one to be a day-boy very 
he added reflectively as though he were recalling scenes and incidents yes said olva encouragingly he was being drawn by bunning's artless narration away from the shadow it was still there its arm outstretched above the snowy court but bunning seemed in some odd way to intervene i always wanted to find god in those days it sounds a stupid thing to say but they used to speak about him mother and the rest just as though he lived down the street they knew all about him and i used to wonder why i didn't know too but i didn't it wasn't real to me i used to make myself think that it was but it wasn't why didn't you talk to your mother about it i did but they were always too busy with missions and things and then there was my elder brother he understood about god and went to all the bible meetings and things and he was always so neat never dirty i used to wonder how he did it always so neat bunning took off his great spectacles and wiped them with a very dirty handkerchief and had you no friends none nobody i didn't want them after a bit i was afraid of everybody i used to go down all the side streets between school and home for fear lest i should meet someone i was always very nervous as a boy very i still am nervous of people yes of everybody and of things too things i still am you'd be surprised it's odd because none of the other bunnings are nervous i used to have fancies about god what sort of fancies i used to see him when i was in bed like a great big shadow all up against the wall a gray shadow with his head ever so high that's how i used to think of him i expect that all sounds nonsense to you no not at all said olva i think they thought me nearly an idiot at home not sane at all but they didn't think of me very often they used to apologize for me when people came to tea i wasn't clever of course that's why they thought i'd make a good parson he paused then very nervously he went on but now i've met you i shan't be nothing can make me i've always watched you i used to look at you in chapel you're just as different from me as anyone can be and that's why you're like god to me i don't want you to be decent to me i think i'd rather you weren't but i like to come in sometimes and hear you say that i'm dirty and untidy that shows that you've noticed but i'm not at all the sort of person to make a hero of olva said hurriedly i don't want you to feel like that about me that's all sentimentality you mustn't feel like that about anybody you must stand on your own legs i never have said bunning very solemnly and i never will i've always had somebody to make a hero of i would love to die for you i would really it's the only sort of thing that i can do because i'm not clever i know you think me very stupid yes i do said olva and you mustn't talk like a schoolgirl if we're friends and i let you come in here you mustn't let your vest come over your cuffs and you must take those spots off your waistcoat and brush your hair and clean your nails and you must just be sensible and have a little humour why don't you play football i can't play games i'm very short-sighted well you must take some sort of exercise run around parker's piece or something or go and run at fenner's you'll get so fat i am getting fat i don't think it matters much what i look like it matters what everyone looks like and now you'd better cut i've got to go out and see a man 
bunning submissively rose he said no more but bundled out of the door in his usual untidy fashion ova came after him and banged his oak behind him in outer court looking now so vast and solemn in the silence of its snow bunning stopped pointed to the grey building that towered over them it was against a wall like that that i used to imagine god on a night like this you'll think that very silly he hurriedly added there's marshall coming i know he'll be at me about those christian union cards good-night he vanished but it was not marshall it was rupert craven the boy was walking hurriedly his eyes on the ground he was suddenly conscious of someone and looked up the change in him was extraordinary his eyes had the heavy dazed look of one who has not slept for weeks his face was a yellow white his hair unbrushed and his mouth moved restlessly he started when he saw ova hello craven you're looking seedy what's the matter uh, no, nothing thanks uh, good night no but wait a minute come up to my rooms and have some coffee i haven't seen you for days a fortnight ago craven would have accepted with joy now he shook his head uh, no thanks i'm tired i haven't been sleeping very well why's that overwork no it's nothing i don't know why it is you ought to see somebody i know what not sleeping means why are you sleeping badly craven's eyes met olva's no i'm splendid thanks but i had a bout of insomnia years ago i shan't forget it you look all right craven's eyes were busily searching olva's face and then suddenly they stopped i'm all right he said hurriedly tired that's all why do you never come and see me now oh i will come some time i'm busy what about ova stood a stern dark figure against the snow oh just busy craven suddenly looked up as though he were going to ask ova a question then he apparently changed his mind muttered a good night and disappeared round the corner of the building ova was alone in the court from some room came the sound of voices and laughter from some other room a piano someone called a name in the little court a sheet of stars drew the white light from the snow to heaven ova turned very slowly and entered his black stairway in his heart he was crying how long can i stand this another day another hour this loneliness i must break it i must tell someone i must tell someone as he entered his room he thought that he saw against the farther wall an old gilt mirror and in the light of it a dark figure facing him a voice heavy with some great overburdening sorrow spoke to him how terrible a thing it is to be alone with god End of chapter 8